Welcome to Virtuoso, your story and sound Shangri-La. Entertaining stories that enhance your well-beingness and well-being. Please welcome your host, Trevor Joran. In this fun episode, I look into Vietnam during the 1970s through the play Miss Saigon. I look at one of the leaders of the smooth jazz scene, Dave Cause, and I share what I've learned about the capital of our nation, Washington, D.C. And I interview one of my best friends about starting his first seven-figure business by the time he was 21. Here's what you can expect in this episode. We'll have a quick mindful moment to bring us together. Today's theme is coping with cravings. At four minutes, I'll showcase the story behind the Tony award-winning play of Miss Saigon. Next, I'll talk a little about the wine I am sipping this episode, the unique, reflective, and crisp burgundy-style wines coming from the Hartford family in Sonoma. At 13 minutes, we'll have the sound portion where we'll examine the virtuosity behind jazz sax player Dave Kaz. Following that, we'll spin the globe and learn about a new location. This time it's our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. At 20 minutes, I'll interview Dylan Scott about what it's like to build businesses, climb out of debt, and leave a legacy. Note, if you want to only listen to the interview for Friends of Dylan, you can play that segment alone by going to the excerpt episode which features just our conversation. And lastly, we'll have our concluding segment with the pennies and pounds notes. Enjoy the show. In today's mindful moment, our theme is coping with cravings. Now, cravings can come in many forms, and while it may not be constant, every once in a while we find that an impulse arises which is somewhat uncomfortable. What we need when this occurs is a way to create space. This is how we can drive change, by stepping back and reworking our perception of our relationship with the source. So breathe in through the nose, and out through the mouth. Gently close your eyes. Don't worry if the mind is thinking, just let the mind do its thing. And when you feel ready, gently return to the present moment. Create space. Feel the control. Breathe in. And out. One more time in. And out. All right, now that we're all together, let's bring the energy up and get the show started.
In today's story segment, I am talking about the Miss Saigon play, a fabulous Tony and Olivier award-winning musical from the late 80s and early 90s, written by Claude Michael Schoenberg and Aline Bubil, with lyrics by Bubil and Richard Matby Jr. This is the same dynamic duo who wrote Les Miserables in 1985. The musical premiered at the Drury Lane Theatre in September of 89 and closed after 4,000 performances, a decade later. And this remains Broadway's 13th longest-running show. Prior to the 2014 reopening, Miss Saigon set the world record for ticket sales in excess of four million pounds. This story is an adaptation of an adaptation by Giacomo Puccini's 1904 poorly received opera Madame Butterfly. However, the libretto quickly rewrote, split the second act in two, and success ensued, securing its place as a staple in the opera repertoire. While the plotline is dramatically different, the basic premise and point of view remain intact. In the first act of Madame Butterfly, a naval officer marries a young Japanese bride out of convenience. The young, excited bride secretly converts to Christianity, and when the uninvited uncle comes to the wedding and finds her new beliefs, he curses her and orders the wedding off. The naval officer and Butterfly sing a love duet, quickly marry and split apart. It wasn't until three years later, after the young Japanese bride has borne a son, that the naval officer returns and Butterfly understands the devastating reality that the naval officer has found a new wife. The new American wife has offered to raise the child, but the Navy officer sees how Butterfly has decorated her house and her heart for his return. He sees that she's done everything to raise his child, and he is in quite a challenging situation stuck between two loves. Butterfly cannot handle the reality, and she decides the best strategy is for her son to be raised in America, so she blindfolds the son, gives him an American flag, and takes her life with a knife. The naval officer rushes in, but it is too late. Following a similar plotline, the play Miss Saigon revolves around the Vietnam War during the 70s, where a young Marine falls in love with a bar girl and then is tragically separated as the new communist regime takes over Vietnam and the Americans leave the war behind. Chris, the Marine, touched by the fact that Kim is orphaned and has given her virginity to him, he offers to take her to a better life in America. The two fall in love to the song Sun and Moon. In a tragic separation, Chris and Kim are uncoupled by the frenzied settling of Saigon falling to the communist regime. Chris is unable to take her to the America, and she is forced into hiding in impoverished areas, still steadfast in her belief that Chris will return to her rescue. Meanwhile, Chris marries another woman in America, although his heart is still with his Vietnamese lover. Kim gives birth to Chris's son, Encouraged by his marine buddy from the war, Chris returns to Asia to find Kim. Chris's marine buddy John finds her and informs her that Chris is in town. The hopeful Kim believes that she'll be able to go to America once again and be saved from wasting her life away. However, John cannot break the news that Chris is now married. 
Kim joyfully dresses in her wedding clothes and goes to Chris's hotel room, where she finds the new wife. Heartbroken but recognizing the opportunity, she asks the American woman if she will raise her child. Ellen, the new wife, says that she and Chris want kids of her own, and it's best the boy has his real mother. Crushed, Kim leaves, requesting that Chris see her alone. She runs back to the child and tells him that his father is here. When Chris returns to his current wife, he pledges his love and bond to her and goes off to find Kim. When Chris rushes into the brothel where Kim works, the moment he sees his child, Kim takes her life behind the curtain. Chris takes his dying love into his hands, and she dies in his arms. I think that the meaningful message from this play is that the hope of love can endure almost anything. You see, Kim is deeply impoverished throughout the play, but she holds on to the thread of hope that one day Chris might come back to her. And the enlightened excerpt, I think one of the most beautiful pieces of lyrical writing I've ever come across is the moment when Chris realizes that he loves Kim and invites her to a new life of opportunity in America. And they fall in love to this beautiful song where the lyrics go, you are the sunshine and I am moon, joined by the gods of fortune, midnight and high noon, sharing the sky. We have been blessed, you and I. You are here like a mystery. I'm from a world that's so different from all that you are. How in the light of one night did we come so far? Beautiful. I think the clever concept behind this show is a photograph that Schoenberg saw of a Vietnamese mother leaving her son in the hands of a GI father who would be in a much better position to create a life of opportunity for a child inspired the central idea behind the plot of Miss Saigon, the ultimate sacrifice that a mother is willing to make for the life of her child. I think the brilliant blemish and fabulous flaw behind this play is for all the incredible praise of the show. We must look at how in some ways it furthers the negatives of misogyny and Orientalism, for it only furthers our stereotypes that are already so diversive. That being said, this is a play that I think is deserving of its praise, for its music and props are of the first order. The storyline is gripping, heart-wrenching, and eye-opening. It teaches lessons of motherhood, war, and longing, and I think it should definitely be on your list. In today's Culinary Corner, I am talking about the Hartford family of Sonoma. Located in the town of Forestville, is a quaint winery founded in 1994 as the passion project of the Hartford family to express their appreciation of the unique vineyards in the surrounding Russian River Valley. The winery is just about 15 miles from the Pacific coast, and this cool climate makes for crisp, unique, and reflective Burgundy-style varietals. 
Character through adversity is an expression that runs through the veins and the vines of this small winery. I like that as it relates to the way that good wine and stories are created. Today I am drinking a 2017 Far Coast Vineyard Chardonnay with beautiful toasted honey notes, minerality reflective of the terroir, and a bright, clean, and pure example of quintessential Chardonnay. If you're taking a drive through Sonoma Coast, I definitely recommend putting this winery on your trip and stopping by their beautiful sprawling courtyard. You won't be disappointed as the sun basks your vista full of vines. In today's sound segment, I am talking about the contemporary jazz saxophonist, Dave Cause. In short summary, Dave is one of the pioneering forces of smooth jazz. He plays the alto sax and drives forward this commercially oriented crossover genre, which came into popularity in the 80s and early 90s, and is characterized by avoiding the more risky elements traditionally associated with jazz, and in favor of melodic, easy listening, and lighter weight styles. Dave Koz was born to Jewish parents in Encino, California, although he doesn't discriminate between Christmas or Hanukkah music at his concerts. He went to the school of UCLA and studied communications, and then weeks after graduation decided to give becoming a professional musician his energy. Shortly afterwards, he was recruited as a member of different touring bands and became a session musician. He started to pursue a solo career just before the 90s and began recording for Capitol. And over his 30-year career, he's put out 20 albums. I think the meaningful message is that while many of the songs on the jazz billboard chart-topping Hello Tomorrow album make you feel good and inspire you to get in the groove mood, there is one song that I particularly think has a nice message. It was written and sung by Dana Glover, and it's called Start All Over Again. It has haunting and clear lyrics. It goes, Take a step back, turn around, Look at the world that you've let down. My, my, such a disgrace. The damage is done and you can't replace it. These are the things your mind will tell you. These are the things your heart will say. These are the things that leave you hopeless. These are the things that say there is no way. There is no way. But as long as you are breathing. And then this beautiful saxophone melody comes in right here. You can start all over again if your heart's beating. You can start all over, goodbye sorrow. Yes, you can start all over again, hello tomorrow. You can start all over. Beautiful, I love those lyrics. I think the enlightened excerpt and clever concept, or what I find really unique, is how Dave has worked in this one particular song, This Guy's In Love With You, where he provided both the vocals and the sax. 
you've got to check that song out. So this Grammy-nominated album provides an impressive cast of supporting players and band members. Two more songs I recommend. Look for the four-piece horn section in the song Remember Where You Came From. And if you're looking for a fun and breezy tropical song, listen to Get Away. It's one of my all-time favorites. So, brilliant blemish or fabulous flaw? Oftentimes, this brand of music gets a bland rap. Music reviewer George Graham argues that these types of artists have lost their fire and creativity that best marked the fusion scene during its heyday in the 1970s. However, I still love the music. Smooth jazz is on a lot of the time in our house. Dave Cause and his gliding and graceful saxophone are at the top of our playlist. So check him out. In today's global segment, I spun the globe around, closed my eyes, and placed my finger right here on our shores in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is the capital of the U.S., founded after the American Revolution as the state of government and the newly independent country. The name is owed both to the first president of the United States and Christopher Columbus. Located on the Potomac River bordering Maryland and Virginia, the city was provided a federal district under the exclusive jurisdiction of the Congress, and therefore is not part of any U.S. state. For statistical purposes, it is actually treated as the equivalent of a state and the equivalent of a country by the census. In order to be formed, the state of Maryland and Virginia each donated parts of their land. However, later on, the Congress returned the land to Virginia and created a single municipal government for the remaining portion that they owned. There are some interesting sites here in Washington, including multiple memorials, beautiful rows of cherry trees, and the National Archives, which has the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. The largest library complex in the world is on Capitol Hill, housing more than 147 million titles. There are museums dedicated to a diverse set of topics, ranging from space to American history. The District of Columbia is also the National Center for the Arts and the home of the National Symphony Orchestra. On the opposite side of the spectrum, Washington is also an important area for indie musicians, and they even have their own music genre called go-go, which is a blend of post-funk percussion-driven rhythm with blues music, which was popularized in the late 1970s. Interestingly, there is also a series of tunnels beneath the Capitol with miles and miles of mazes for senators and members of the House in case of emergency. And last but not least, Washington, D.C. citizens truly love their wine. And in fact, they drink more per capita than anywhere else in our country. Cheers. Welcome, Dylan Scott. I am so glad to have you here. Not only are you one of my greatest friends and willing to give me a hand in the launching of Virtuoso Podcast, but you've got quite an interesting story that I can't wait to hear about. And 
I just want to introduce you to my audience about our, our prior experience traveling around Canada working with sugar gliders. Boy, was that a fun experience. So for the audience who don't know what sugar gliders are, they are marsupials. In fact, they are very close to the koala. They're small little cute animals that make great pets. And Dylan and I would travel all across Canada from border to border and going to trade shows and, you know, essentially pitching people on the virtues of these pets. And we kept a few ourselves and it was just a fun experience. And, um, Boy, you've learned a lot about business since then, right, Dylan? Can you tell us a little bit about your business journey? Well, I guess first thing is like you as a person, Trevor, will never turn down an experience. That's one thing that's like I love about you and I laugh about you. It's like if, if there is some unique, fun experience that is out there and someone offers it to you, you would, <laughs> you would take it any day long, any day. So I think that's like one of the coolest things about you. And I'm so happy that we become friends over the years just because of the fact that we both love cool experiences. Absolutely. Coming out of college when I was like 21, 22 is when I launched that sugar glider business. And oh my gosh, was that a nightmare? It was like diving into a business, <laughs> like diving into leaving college thinking I had, was like full of all this knowledge and wisdom and being like, I can do anything. And so I threw everything. I literally took out $50,000 worth of credit cards just so I could start that business. And um, I was pretty lucky that like within a matter of um, two months, I'd made that 50 grand back and paid those credit cards off. But the one thing like with that business is it's cool, but anything, anytime with business now I realize, why, do you, why does anyone start a business? They start a business because they want to dive into a life of, with more freedom, more money, more enjoyment. Like no one's starting a business because they want to do that business. In some cases, maybe like bakers and artists do, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. But for the mm. most part, people start businesses for what money brings. Time freedom, money freedom, joy, like the ability to travel. That business, I was making just enough to have fun, enjoy life, but I was spending 80, 100 hours a week working on that business. And so... Eventually, I woke up one day. I was like, what the heck? I'm literally traveling from city to city every single week, standing up for 14 hours a day, selling little animals. <laughs> do I want to do this for the next 40 years? No. And like, obviously, no. And I mean, you experienced the same thing. You did it for, with me for a few months. So it's like, I was pretty much out of there. Not a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then very quickly, I realized, heck no, I don't want to do this. And so it led me on this journey. I'm still full of confidence, still full of like this like not knowing what I didn't know. And I started these like several other companies trying to make ends meet and grow myself. And literally every single one failed. And you know this story better than most people. I ended up $50,000 in debt, calling my mom up one day saying, hey mom, I'm coming home to visit for a few days because I didn't want her to know that I'd fallen flat broke and had no income. So I stayed <laughs> at her house for a couple of days and was like, all right, mom, well, you know, I'm, I'm done visiting. I'm, you know, I'm not moving here. And I found a company that was willing to pay for my housing as a sales rep. I worked for them for a few months over the holidays. I saved up enough money to start another business. And, and, and the same thing happened. I wasted all my money and I, I blew through that one more time. And so then real quickly, I realized, well, maybe starting a system from scratch isn't what I'm supposed to do. And so what I did is I found a mentor. I found a friend of mine I, who was very successful. 
And I asked him to show me his exact system of how he got there. And then I just replicated it. And what that system was, was running a marketing consulting company for other companies. So we dive into other companies' uh, businesses and we help improve their online presence through like social media, digital ads, and that kind of stuff. And so mm. I've been doing that for the last several years. It's been wildly successful. I'm incredibly grateful for the journey it's taken me on. And it's just amazing to see how things can change when I humbled myself. I don't know what I don't know. Let me just like find someone who knows more than me. Shut up and listen to them. Very good. You know, that's a lot of what Leap taught us about, isn't it? You know, that youth leadership program where we met each other in California, that was one of the best programs for our growth, wasn't it? Yeah, well, they say uh, one of the biggest things from that is like copy genius, don't create mediocrity, right? So we can mm. sit here and try to create a system, create our lives. Like what you've done though with your life is like you didn't, you mastered your life around models of people and, and other people in history. You didn't just go out and try to create this thing. And I think a lot of times we do that. We try to create where, quite frankly, we need to just copy. Like if you can copy a system and make it a little bit better, I think that's the key to getting almost everything you want in life. Find someone who has what you want and copy them. Mm. Yes. I think it was Picasso who said geniuses don't, uh, don't copy or they steal. Something like that. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure who, who said it. But, you know, um, thinking back on experiences, what what is one of the greatest experiences that you would like to relive? So that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I think I think that there's this childhood innocence in my growing up. And the one thing that I miss, like now that I have bills, I have responsibilities, I have payments and all that stuff, is I really wish that I could go back to eight-year-old Dylan who didn't have a care in the world, had friends, had soccer to play, and had all my shelter and my food needs met, and just go back to that experience and be like, dude, just enjoy this because this is the only, this is the first and last time like through this experience that you'll ever not have to worry about anything. It's like mm. the worries that you have as a kid don't exist. And so for me, if I could jump back to an experience and relive it, it would be like that childhood years where like I would cr I would come home after playing soccer in the cold, rainy day. I'd shower. My mom would be there making, making me dinner. I'd eat dinner. I'd hang out with my mom and my dad and my sister. And then I'd crawl in nice, warm, warm bed with no worries, knowing that I was protected. Mm, and what a nice I think memory. it's like, <laughs> dude, it is, man. Really, it is. Like, I just, there's... And I know a lot of people don't get to experience that in life. And there's people all over the world that will never have that experience. But for me, that's something that uh, I always say, like, um, life only makes sense in reverse, right? So, like, we can look at all of the things that happened in our past and we can make sense of it. But in the moment, it's sometimes so confusing. And so when I look back at, like, my childhood, it's like, I wish that I could have, like, in those moments been like, oh, wow, this is amazing and enjoyed it and been grateful for it. But I mm. wasn't because I didn't realize like how amazing that opportunity was. So hands down, if I could relive any experience, man, I would love to just be back in my parents' house as a child, just enjoying life with no worries. You're bringing back such great memories for me too. You know, thinking back with just the bikes and the, the dogs and running around with my brothers. Oh man, you know, we're all in different places of the world now. And the the closest yeah, yeah. connection we get is on the phone and it's every once in a while. It's not nearly as sweet and precious as it was when we were children. And I miss that completely. 
and the 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 pains like the pains all fade away too like i can't it's also like 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 uh like what you focus on you create more of and so like but for some i don't focus on this the painful memories in my past of course i have them but i focus on the loving joyful memories and it just like makes my heart tickle and makes me give me goosebumps thinking back to just like the enjoyable times of like growing up and being with family and it's like we again we can focus on whatever we want to focus on i know people have had childhoods that are that have not been the best but there's always those moments those little moments like you said the dogs and the bikes that if we think back to them they should tickle your heart and make you get get response <laughs> absolutely they do they do my next question for you dylan today is uh, what are you happy about uh, what's going well for you now Oh my gosh. Well, one of the biggest things I've always wanted to step into is I've always wanted to be in a position and have a platform where I can help others become better. I've always known that, um, like I've always wanted to help others and, and do and have impact. But one of the things is like for so long, I didn't want to be that person who was like trying to teach others before they had anything themselves. And it's like so many people today especially like life coaches and like mentors, they're out there preaching this reality that they've never lived themselves. Like do this, do that, do this, do that. And you'll be successful. It's like, dude, like, how do you know that you don't even have success yourself? Uh. So I'm so grateful right now because I'm, I've, I've grown to a position in my life now where I've actually established a fair amount of success. And now I can, I'm, I have a platform through my educational programs where I can actually give back and help others. And people, uh, people now listen to me because I have, I have something that some other people want and I have grown to a position where I have enough life experience to actually give good, like good feedback and good, uh, good like advice to people. So I'm so grateful that my life has grown to a path where I have the ability to just share and contribute and help others. Mm, I love that. Oh man, that's, I feel that calling too. And, and having a platform, you're right. You know, I, you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, it's taken a long time to get the courage mustered to start this podcast. But now that we're here and our conversation is playing out, it, it all feels sort of surreal. Next question mm-hmm. for you. What is your favorite way to spend time? I know you're spending a lot of it on your business, but what do you like to do outside of your business? Gosh, it's just a it's just a hard question because it's like you're asking me, like, what do you like to do outside of your business when literally my life is ninety nine percent business. It's so hard to it's so hard to say because with me, I love what I do, but a lot of people they like they don't like they they don't love what they do or they're looking for something to escape or to enjoy. So I'll tell you this: my number one thing I like to do in life is is grow. What brings me the most joy and makes me the most happy is when I'm becoming a better version of myself. So if that's mm. coming if that's coming home and jumping on calls with you or other friends talking about how we can better ourselves, or if that's reading a book that can take me to a new level or watching YouTube or podcasts or developing myself in some way or sharing with others, whatever it is, when I'm becoming a better version of myself, I'm in my greatest place of joy and like love for life. But Excellent. Excellent. Having said that, having said that, there's times when I slide away from that and I don't live joyfully and I'm not loving my life. And I'm not growing. 
And that's when I see everything in my mind shift to the opposite, where I'm not really enjoying as much and I'm just ex- existing. And so I think it's kind of like a loaded question. I don't be, don't want to be so generic, but literally growth is like what I love to do. How do you help yourself out of those ruts when you find yourself going through a period of time where you are stuck? What do you do to ignite the spark? Man, it, it's all about movement. Like when, when we move our bodies, we move our mind and we move our life into a new direction. And I think that's like, like when I'm in a rut, if I look back to what I've been doing for the past couple of days, I haven't been working out. I haven't been put, fueling myself with the proper nutrition. And a lot of it comes back to like mental health and stuff. But my belief is that a lot of our problems are solved just through movement. Just get up and go for a freaking walk. You know, there's you, you, you work, you do X movement almost every single day. But if you move every single day for a month and then you don't move one day, that one day you'll notice the significant different difference in your mindset. So the only way to get out of a rut is walk the heck out of it. It's not that hard. And you can get out of it just through movement. Sure, I love that answer. I really do. I think it's necessary to take a little rest, but even on those days off, it feels like there's a slog in the mind. There's a Mm -hmm. need to move like yesterday, Roberta and I were taking a day off because we worked out, you know, five days that week. And we decided to throw on a belly dancing video from Cairo, Egypt. And like, we just started (laughs) moving. (laughs) We just started moving in a belly dancing fashion. And even that slight motion got our mind to a better state. You snap out of lethargy, you know, you, you snap out of the slog and, and that's real important. What have you learned about storytelling, especially over the last few years as you've been working to build your brand? What are some of the key takeaways that, you know, others can use to, um, you know, build their own story of life and, and maybe use these channels of social media to showcase that? Yeah, well, storytelling is something that for so long I struggled with because like this is one thing you're amazing at is like you can you're the kind of guy that if you go in and start telling a story about something like an event that happened, the whole entire room is like eyes on you and draw on the jaw on the floor, like listening intently to understand because you build so much um, like flavor and character into it and you can develop characters and make it sound so awesome. And so just bouncing ideas off of you has helped me develop that within myself. Mm, so thank you. Um, one of the things with storytelling, yeah, man, you're welcome. One of the things with storytelling with is with a brand is so different than storytelling, like experiences and adventures. And so what I had to do is I had to kind of paint the idea of like, who is Dylan? Who is this character of, of Dylan? Um, like, who is he really? Not who he, who he thinks he is or who um, he wants to be. Like, who is this dude really? Like, uh-huh. what is he naturally? And then how can we emphasize those points of Dylan and and turn it into something that's captivating for other people to enjoy? And so through that, I've, I've kind of built out certain points in my life. I call them like my dominoes of certain dominoes in my life that have tipped over other dominoes and created where I am today. And so what I've done is I've packaged those into a story about my life and uh, kind of my my narrative 
And ultimately, it comes back to my platform of wanting to share and educate and help other people and really show that freedom is possible. You know, you can achieve freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, emotional freedom through a series of, of, of skills and tactics. And ultimately, anyone can achieve freedom. And I think that's, in my opinion, that's what I believe everyone wants is they want freedom. And so I, that's what I've done is I've, I've created my story and I help tell it through my life events with the direction of the moral, moral of my story is that freedom is possible. Excellent. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, Dylan, we've had a great conversation today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show at this early stage and being willing to share your mind and heart. Oh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And best of luck on this journey. Thank you. Thank you so much. How can people find you if they want to know more? Dylan Scott. Uh, Scott's my middle name, but uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dylan underscore Vanas, which is my last name. V is in Victor, A-N-A-S. And that's the best place to reach me. So if you have any, if you want to connect with me, that's go ahead and find me there. Great. Thank you. All right. So for today's pennies and pounds section and pennies, my theory is long term, your beliefs determine your destiny. This was really brought to my attention through Marie Forleo as of recently. I've heard it a few times throughout the years, but Marie Forleo in her book, Everything is Figureoutable, spoke a great deal about how your beliefs are the starting point. So that's what I wanted to bring to our attention today. Belief comes thought. Thought brings feeling. Feeling leads to behavior. And behavior creates a result. So when you change a belief, you change everything. And you got to define your beliefs prior to what you do. Just food for thought here. In pounds... I'm drawing upon some of my studies from the time I was in India. And I recall sitting under a tree with our teacher, and he was telling us about Patanjali, an ancient Indian legend who gave structure, clarity, and purity to the world of yoga. And he begins with a simple question, what is yoga? His answer makes clear that the practice is centered around the mental experience Shita Vritti Nirhodra, he writes, meaning to calm the fluctuations of the mind or to steady the mind. In the body-mind-spirit practice of Hatha Yoga, we are becoming more aware of how we move, how we position our bodies, how we breathe, where we are in our minds, how we feel throughout our being, and how we might move into a sense of stillness. So, let's consider that as we move through our next form of exercise, or even yoga. Well, in conclusion, to my listeners, I want to thank you for spending this time with me. It's hard work putting these shows together, but knowing that you are out there being engaged, entertained, and enhanced by the Virtuoso Show makes it all worth it to me. I'm glad that we are able to spend time together every few weeks. If you love what I'm doing and you want to support me, please go to treversthoughts.com 
and sign up for my email. Alternatively, you can shoot me a quick message at muse at trevorsthoughts.com. That's M-U-S-E, like the Greek muses. I'll send you an email back and we can begin our relationship from there. Keep an eye out for the next episode dropping the 21st of March. I know that's some distance in the future, so if you're like me and would like a friendly reminder, please sign up for the newsletter and I'll get it to you when the time is right. Thanks again, and I look forward to our next show together.